And joining us now as we are here at the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show, Caitlin Glover, Executive Director of the Public Lands Council, NCBA. Caitlin, great to catch up with you again. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. This has been a great week here in New Orleans. Uh, as, we, as we wrap up the week, we've had some really productive policy conversations. So it's, uh, it's always heartening for me to be able to take good messages back to Washington as we gear up for another uh, hectic year. Having those discussions, talking with ranchers from across the country, and of course, focusing on all the different things that are out there impacting us uh, on the farm and ranch and let's talk about a few of those issues that you're working on in dc uh, i think just top of mind as well the lesser prairie chicken issues and i know there's been some recent movement on that can you get us up to speed on just the latest with that situation Ab absolutely so you know when we look at the lesser prairie chicken uh, a lot of your listeners are, are going to know the long and storied history of of the will they won't they of an endangered species act listing and and voluntary conservation plans and, and all of the, the things that have happened really over the last 10 or 20 years. Well, we saw the Fish and Wildlife take some action over the last six months. Uh, they decided to establish, go through the regulatory process to establish a two distinct population population segments, one in the north and one in the south. Uh, and the one in the north, they've decided to list as threatened. The, the one in the south, uh, they, they decided to list as endangered. And so really what we're talking about is a massive regulatory ESA expansion for Oklahoma and Nebraska and Kansas and Texas and New Mexico um, in, in a really, really challenging time. You know, it's, it's lesser prairie chicken conservation focused, but really the impacts are on those farms and ranches who have been the backbone of conservation for the bird, for the habitat and for the larger ecosystem for, for generations. Well, and I think about those issues too, when, you know, it, that overregulation on our farms and ranches when you know someone telling a cattle producer what they can and can't do with their herd on their land because of the lesser prairie chicken being endangered to me it doesn't make sense because our cattle producers they know the land they're working not someone sitting somewhere else you know that that's exactly right and and you know one of my mentors once told me that it's incredibly hard to legislate or regulate flexibility right you want to be able to provide a, a framework that that works generally but but often you know the federal government tends to try to get too specific overly prescriptive and that's where you see that undue regulatory burden you see it in the lesser prairie chicken but you also see it in a lot of other endangered species uh, that that really the impact is felt by those landowners those active conservation the stewards of the land um, who are really that that primary regulatory and, and regulated community mm -hmm. we we see that you know in lesser prairie chicken but that is really going to be front and center in washington dc this year as the endangered species act turns 50. Uh, so we've had 50 years to, to demonstrate that you know what was a really a well-intended uh, piece of legislation really needs some some improvement Lesser prairie chicken is a prime example, uh, but unfortunately for for the act and, and for you know for a lot of cattle producers, uh, there are many more examples where we we just need to to fix that framework. What are some of those examples? What are some of the other issues surrounding ESA that that you guys are looking at with NCBA and the Public Lands Council? So so there there are a wide variety. So you know the the Biden administration has said that they are going to uh, revise 
rules that the Trump administration also revised in the mm -hmm. last five years. Uh, a variety of Endangered Species Act rules, three additional rules are expected this year um, to revise things like how critical habitat is designated, um, how the, the Fish and Wildlife Service determines, ha determines habitat in the first place. Uh, we, we also have uh, you know, some, some legislative interest as well. Congress loves a good oversight hearing, and so you know, a, an anniversary is a, is a great opportunity. But, but you see a lot of interest, especially in the House, uh, to take steps to improve the act. You know, not to get too, too down in the weeds here, but what we really see is that you know, the act was a, a three-part uh, process. Mm -hmm. Identification and listing is thing one. The second part was to develop a recovery plan and implement it. And the third part was then to delist that species once that species was, was recovered, once step two was successful. And it's really the finishing of step two and, and execution of step three that has, has failed over time. And so as NCBA, as PLC, our other partners in Washington, we're focused not only on the improvement of step two and three through the legislative process, but also making sure that new regulations uh, like the administration is going to promulgate this year uh, don't cause additional harm or additional uncertainty for cattle producers, for, for landowners, um, and even for the agency itself, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Well, and I know as well, you guys with NCBA and PLC do a great job staying on top of these issues and, and working with our, our farmers and ranchers across the country. But as, as ranchers in the countryside, how can they have their voices heard and, you know, make issues known that may may not be known as we work through this year and beyond? Well, well Jesse, I think you're acting, asking the right question in exactly the right place. Uh, participation in organizations like NCBA or PLC sharing those those lived experiences, those personal stories, and not only of conservation, but demonstrating those investments is absolutely key. The strongest part of my job in Washington is being able to talk uh, about the work that Mark or Tim or Robbie did uh, on their operation to benefit one species or the other, but also to demonstrate a, a whole e ecological health approach. I, I always say that I have the best job in Washington because I talk, get to talk about the value of grazing, that the contributions that ranchers and their livestock make on a daily basis, not only for the species, but also for the, the, the larger ecosystem health. Ranchers continuing to do what they do, participating in the process, submitting comments, that is the best way to continue to demonstrate that commitment. Got just about a minute. Any other final thoughts you have for us before we run out of time? Well, so, you know, as we look at the year ahead, it's not just ESA that's on the docket. You know, we're going to be relitigating uh, quite literally, but also in, in conversation, uh, the waters of the United States concept. Mm -hmm. uh, some migratory bird things are, are going to come up for, for your, your folks who may know about BLM and Forest Service land in the West. We have uh, some grazing rules, revisions that are coming down the line. And just like the lesser prairie chicken, their neighbor to the West, the greater sage grouse is going to be front and center as well. It's going to be a heavy regulatory year, and so producers' involvement is absolutely key. Well, we'll be definitely staying in touch and uh, staying on top of these issues. Appreciate a few minutes of your time, Caitlin. Thanks for joining us here in New Orleans. Thanks so much.